the Fantasy Six-Pack Hour. With your hosts, Joe Bob and A.J. Appleton. Down. All right, welcome to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, founder of FantasySixPack.net. With me, as usual, Mr. AJ Appagarth. How's it going, man? Ready to be going, here? Man. I, Monday yeah. night, ready to talk some football because today is the traditional football day. So. It works and makes sense. Yeah, so we are doing a special show on Sunday. Not special, really. It's uh, we weren't here on Thursday, or at least I wasn't. So, uh, and you really weren't either. So, it actually, sort of worked out that I was on vacation last week and we couldn't do a show. But uh, yeah, so we're here on Sunday night doing our our uh, our show here. We got a good one. We're gonna be talking about some risky players to draft uh, and. Just really how risky are they? Where's the, you know, the reward versus risk benefit there? You know, wh- whatever you want to call it. So uh, we got that going on. So before we jump into things, though, just want to remind everybody, hit that subscribe button, hit those like buttons, leave those reviews, those five stars, wherever you're watching and listening, we appreciate it. And of course, become an all access member of fantasy6pack.net. Uh, you're going to get access to our award-winning rankings our discord where you can ask all of your custom league questions to myself, AJ, Mike behind the scenes and you name it. They're there. We got DFS guys, Chris Robin, AKA Detroit beastie, Dave Eddy, And then some, we got, we got guys waiting to answer your questions there. You're going to get access to our projections, other, other articles as well. It's, it's good stuff. And, and our cheat sheet, for your for your drafts coming up as well um and last thing is if you have not already done so i highly suggest you try out fan tracks for your football leagues uh you can get bokus of customization for free uh and to top it all off if you create a league over there you can get entered into a giveaway for a signed Travis Kelsey jersey. So go over there and uh create your league. It, it it's great stuff over there. I, I like the Fantrax product. I really do. Um so go over to fantrax.com slash fantasy six pack and create your free account today. Um with that being said man uh let's do our beer of the week first shall we? what you got man all right so uh tonight i'm i'm enjoying the big truck farm breweries crew cab ipa i've had this one on before this uh this brewery just has a bunch of cool artwork a bunch of different trucks and just cool looking stuff cool uh so i just got back from a long vacation with my kids and so i'm uh, i'm going as i'm brewing triple orange starfish it is a triple ipa um yeah wouldn't guess that know. yeah it's it's a good <laughs> one i've actually had this before i believe i gave this one a 4.75 out of 5 on untapped i, would, I haven't looked I it up but so. 
I've only ever had it one other time. This is phenomenal. So, yeah, that would be a slow super. Oh, yeah. All right, good stuff. All right, let's bring our guests on, and uh, I am excited to have both of them here, starting with Britt Flynn. Uh, she writes for Fantasy Alarm, the Lightning Round Fantasy Pod uh, host as well. How's it going tonight, Britt? It's good. Thank you guys for having me. Um, really awesome to talk about football on a Sunday because yeah. in just five weeks, it's really <sighs> happening. It's going to be yes. back in five weeks <laughs> and we won't have to speculate anymore. We're going to have some real live uh, material hit the ground running. So I appreciate y'all having me. Then we'll just Absolutely. all realize what we got wrong. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, without further ado, Mr. Bob Harris, football diehards, senior editor there, uh, Sirius XM host, FSWA Hall of Fame member. Um, ooh, looks like he might have froze. So hopefully he comes back. So uh, we will um, have to to pull that one back out there, Mike. Uh, let, let, it looks like Bob might have froze. So let's uh, let's hit him up on Twitter and see if see if he figures. Maybe he lost the internet or something. I'm not sure. So hope, hopefully Bob's back. But uh, looking forward to talking to 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 both of you tonight. But um, let's just get going. You know, I, um, Britt. So. The very first question we've got here is just, oh, there we go. Bob, you're back. Yes, there was the internet damn. Uh, oh, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe hit you again. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Can you hear us, Bob? I do oh, hear oh, you. Oh, sort of, sort oh, of. What? Yeah, I do Wait, hear you. And on my end, it looks what, fantastic. So. Where'd you go, AJ? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> what is going know, on so. here? All right, so uh, Bob, we introduced you. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on, and uh, so we are going to uh, just get moving here with our first question. And did Bob freeze? AJ, is it you? <laughs> What's going on? I don't know. Did Bob freeze again? Yes. Holy, holy cow! He did. I think he did. I'll I'll keep an eye on him. Okay. All right. So. Brit, uh, first question here. We're, you know, we could have probably put rookies. We're going to go kind of in categories here with, with types of risky players here. Um, so we could have put rookies in all over the place in this discussion. But so we just decided to start with a general rookie question. And so, you know, how do you weigh the risk with rookies, um, you know, What's the risk versus reward when it comes to their ADP? Obviously, you know, Bijan is kind of an outlier with this. Um, and then Gibbs is kind of the next up. And then there's a whole huge gap and a whole slew of them that are kind of like, okay, I mean, there's a chance, but we don't know. Um, so what's your take on the rookies and the risk that they have coming into drafts? I think when it comes to running back, the risk is a lot more minimal than it is with wide receivers. Not only are these running backs being drafted at a lower ADP outside of Bijan and Jameer Gibbs, um, but it, you know, the system, the playbook seems to favor rookie running backs a lot more than it does the rookie wide receivers because they don't have to learn, you know, all these blocking schemes as far as like, are you going to block on this route? What route are you going to run? How are you going to come back and integrate yourself within these five other people with a running back? It's basically like, 
well, you have this play to run and then you go. So I think that rookie running backs are a lot more um, risk minimal in in redraft. Mm -hmm. But I will say that there are a lot of rookie wide receivers and even rookie tight ends, which we've consistently talked about not producing. But this year, it seems like there are three at the top of my list that I think can. Um, There are several in situations that look to be favorable, look to be running these routes. I know that we need to downplay the training camp hype a little bit, but they look (laughs) to be really picking up and forming a relationship with their quarterbacks. So like Jordan Addison, for one, with Adam Thielen gone, it's definitely, it's not quite an air raid, but it is a three three wide receiver set. And then the news that TJ Hawkinson is sitting out is even better for Addison. So I really Mm -hmm. like him there. Um, Rasheed Rice, not as completely sold on him because the chiefs have kind of rotated their wide receivers in and out. I know that this training camp hype looks amazing. There is a lot more risk with him there going in, but then talking about like these rookie tight ends with Dalton Kincaid, with Sam Laporta, even with Luke Musgrave, people want to say that rookie tight ends always take a year or two to develop. I think that for the most part, that is only true because in a lot of cases, these rookies are asked to block and learn the system these three teams are not in a position to ask these tight ends to block. There is such a lack of depth on their depth chart. These rookies are going to be pass catchers and we really need to look at them. And their ADP is so low because people are so out on rookie tight ends that they're going to return a lot of value. Yeah. Bob, you got any uh, thoughts on, on rookies in general and, and maybe piggybacking on what on Brett said. Absolutely. Mostly uh, agree with everything she said. I think, you know, there's some, some of the tight ends were getting a little over enthusiastic or we're getting enthusiastic. I don't know if it's even over Dalton Kincaid seems to be in a great spot. Right. And you know, all the, from you, you know, you put together what the draft Knicks say about him with what you're hearing about him in camp. And he's not really going to be a tight end. He's going to be a, a wide receiver, a slot receiver. And that role has been really productive in that offense. So I think there's some hope for him. He's kind of a little more expensive than the other one. Sam Laporta seems to be in a better spot ADP wise, but exactly true with the running backs. Uh, you know, the, you know, especially the early, earlier picks. And like, I'm super all in on Jameer Gibbs. I cannot hide my love for him because if we're sitting there drafting B. John Robinson is a top five, play in many cases i see him rarely make it past eight in drafts these days because he was the eighth pick overall and he's running behind a decent offensive line in the atlanta offense then why the hell aren't we drafting jameer gibbs early round four late round three because he's in a explosive offense only four picks later running behind one of the best offensive lines in football granted he's going to be sharing but if you go back and you look and you maybe you know give him 55 percent of the touches in that backfield last year You've got a top 10 running back. So uh, I think the big thing here about all this, what we're going to be talking about, you guys, and thanks for having me on. And I'm sorry my internet was broken. Yeah, I know. You're good. Oh, you're, good. Um, uh, the, uh, the, you, you can have risk on your roster without having a risky roster. And that's the idea, right? You need to take some swings. You need to take some chances with players. And it's just, you know, you take that range of possible outcomes, as Matt Harmon, channel my inner Harmon here, and you try to decide what the more probable outcomes are on those on those ranges based on the risk. And when you, you add these risky players and Lord knows I, you know, some of our own personal risk tolerance is involved here, but, but you can mitigate that risk with more solid plays or perceived more solid plays uh, and less risky plays. So it's that mix that you get together. You need some risk to win the title. Nobody's going to remember that you drafted a risky guy after the season, if you won the title, nor are they going to remember if you don't win the title. In fact, nobody will remember a damn thing you did if you don't win the title. 
Yeah. So you bring up a good point and, and it's something that, you know, I think everybody struggles with. I do like is when to take the risk. Right. Is yeah. so like Jameer Gibbs is a guy who I struggle whether or not I want to spend the draft capital on a guy who I think everybody knows is yep. at worst. The pass catching back could be a larger role, but if you look at what they did last year when both were healthy, it was, you know, the, you know, Swift was in between the twenties and then it was, you know, Williams inside the twenties, you know? So it's like, so do you want that? I don't know if that's going to be good where he's going. So it's like, when, when is it right to take the risk? Right. You when know, you on somebody, especially the rookies, right? When you believe in it, though, that's the thing. I mean, like you can, I can tell from the way you're hedging that you're not as in on this. I, I, <laughs> some I, of I, them, some of them, some of them. No, I get it, but this is a great example because I go, you know, we all have our little processes that we go through and the things that kind of tick us, you know, tick our boxes and everything. And you know, watching the videos of, I mean, looked like they were going to draft him ahead of Bijan, right? I mean, you know, you can make what you want of that video. That's what I made of it. You can also look at the video of Scotty Montgomery working with him you know, in the interview process and how they felt. So maybe they might trust Jameer Gibbs a little more than they trusted DeAndre Swift, who apparently they didn't trust a damn bit, right? So, you know, but these, this is how we calculate these at range of outcomes and these values. So for me, I feel more comfortable doing this. And, and, but, and, and so maybe I'm willing to jump up and I'll take that whole risk out of your hands, Joe. I will draft him earlier than you will ever consider it. <laughs> and a lot of times that's what happens with these risky players. You're, you know, the decisions are made for you. If you're dialing back a little bit and that's okay. If you're not feeling great about a player, why draft them? But if you do have that, you know, that positive buzz in your mind and you know, there's a risk, then you have to take appropriate picks later to help mitigate that risk. Yeah. And yeah, I think I, part of the risk too is is looking at training camp and not just the hype videos, looking at like the beat writers, looking at how he's lining up, looking at the coaches that he's working with. Because I think it was yesterday, instead of working with the running backs on blocking, he was working with the wide receiver group, working <laughs> on on routes. And that to me is a big gold star in his pro section as to why you should take Gibbs. And it's all about kind of filtering out that coach speak talk, that preseason hype machine talk, and actually diving in a little bit deeper and looking at what he's doing. And that should go for all rookies, not just for Gibbs, obviously. Right. And just because I want to cherry pick my data because it's how I roll. Um, I was like, it's <laughs> Wayne McCarthy, you, man. you know, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey didn't even register 30% of their team's rushing attempts as rookies finished as running back three and nine respectively. And yes, that was a Jameer Gibbs tweet. So, I mean, but that this is the this is the trigonometry we're all sitting here doing, the calculus mm -hmm. we're all doing based on a lot of seven-second clips on Twitter, beat writers telling us, Tim Twentyman from the, the Lions website saying, this is the best receiving back I've seen in 15 years covering this team. You factor in the draft count. So for me, it's less risky. But that's the great thing about fantasy here. We're all sitting here. We're going to talk about risky players. Some of them I'm going to think are less risky than you are. Some of the ones I throw out, you are going to think are more or less risky than I do. And that's that's how we that's how we get our teams together. And that's uh, how you win titles. Is is can, we tell ourselves happy stories about players <laughs> that we want to have, and we tell ourselves horror stories about players that we fear and and that we want to avoid. And that's what we end up doing. And if I happen to draft one I don't like, I happen to love them forever until they suck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you're never wrong. I mean, it's like, oh, well, I mean, I'm not wrong yet. 
mean, <laughs> just, just didn't so, for him. Speaking of the, you know, the hype, right? You brought that up. Um, we're going to bring up a, a collection of players here coming up that sort of fall into this range where it's either like they're risky because their ADP may be slightly overblown it, due to various reasons. One of those reasons is a lot of times hype. And it's the Twitter machine hype a lot of times. Sometimes it is the um, the beat writers because of Twitter. They're showing these like one-on-one, you know, they're showing a, a wide receiver going off like it's a backup corner. And people don't even know what they're watching at the time. They just see this dude make an amazing play, just blowing by the defender and catching a long touchdown. And you're like, oh, this guy's awesome. Yeah, tone it down maybe a little bit. But let's talk. So first up, there is the 49ers wide receivers. And specifically talk about Debo Samuel and Brendan Ayuk. Two kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. Debo is going, you know, fairly early in drafts, what, first three, four rounds, probably first three rounds most of the times. Ayuk a couple rounds later. We're getting kind of opposite ends here with that. Debo, you know, there's people that love Debo because of what Debo did two years ago and uh, the potential and just the athleticism that he that he brings. Then there's Ayuk, right, who showed last year um, with Brock Purdy and whoever else they had a quarterback at times last year, right? And then, you know, but then I talk about the Twitter hype, right? You're t- you see people on Twitter talking about how Ayuk is the best receiver on the team, going to be the, an, a wide receiver one. I mean, what do we do with these both, both of these guys? And, and Bob, we'll start with you since Britt went first last time. Uh, so you take the, I take the value. I mean, you know, usually in these cases, I'm take, taking the cheaper piece. Uh, you know, mostly it's been Ayuk has been the cheaper piece. People still seem to be in on Debo. I have concerns about the rushing workload mm-hmm. that he might not get. So I get that. And like last year, I mean, I will ask you a question that obviously tells you the answer. Who scored more points in PPR? Which Samuel, <laughs> Curtis or Debo? Hello, Curtis. Um, so, yeah. so I mean, you know, so like, look, every year is different. And, and, and I just feel like that offense is, you know, many pieces. Uh, many of them can be valuable any given week. Probably not all of them any given week. And so I'm probably going to take the cheaper piece and feel pretty good about the cheaper piece. Yeah. And if you look at Debo's stats, and I admit I was fully in on Debo last season, and it worked out great until they brought in Christian McCaffrey. Once Christian McCaffrey showed up, that so-called Debo role evaporated because that Debo role was now Christian McCaffrey's role. And if you look at the metrics of what Debo did last season, everything outside his yards after the catch was pretty, pretty rough looking. So his yards per route run was 37. That's, that's decent, right? But his a dot was one Oh two. His yards per reception was 69th. I mean, his target separation was 75th. All of these metrics, Ayuk has him beaten. And I actually wrote about this last season towards the middle of the season. I was doing the hot takes article over at Fantasy Alarm. And I predicted that Ayuk was going to overtake Debo as the wide receiver one on this team. Lo and behold, he was the better receiver down the stretch. And I think that that still uh, holds true going into this season. I think, you know, Debo has talent. But there are so many good talents in the system. Shanahan's going to go with the guy who can get separation, especially when you're rolling with like Brock Purdy, who kind of needs that situation 
Um, anybody who can separate and not force him into making contested catches, that's who the target is going to go to. And that is by far Ayuk. And then you talk about the ADP value. We're drafting Debo at his ceiling, at his absolute ceiling, yeah, in my opinion, now that the <clears throat> the wide back role is gone. And you get such a good value on Ayuk, I think, from a week-to-week spot. And then you fig- factor in um, their strength of schedule. It's Ayuk all the way for me. Yeah. That's, you're talking 30 picks later you know, yeah. per sleeper's ADP from uh, 8-4. So I'll take that all day. I'm yeah. not. I'm not big on Debo this year as it is, just for all the reasons you guys both pointed out. I know you're, out. Make, you're making my life a lot easier tonight. I don't have to talk a lot. You guys are making all the points I was going to make, so yeah. we're good. We're going to move on. I'm just glad that Debo got taken in my Scott Fish draft like right before me because I didn't have to make that decision. <laughs> Again, like you said, Bob, yeah. someone's going to go after these risky guys before you, so I'm glad somebody else did. I was just like, Bless thank you. Get the next guy. I don't have to make that choice because <laughs> had he fallen to me, I would be like, oh, <laughs> it was tough. It would have been a hard, hard. That would have been a hard pivot. Bob, I love that you're southern and use the bless my bless their hearts. I'm not even (laughs) southern, but I still use it because I appreciate (laughs) the way it has been developed. (laughs) (laughs) Much like Brandon Ayuk. All right, nice. Awesome. So the next guy we got here is Mr. Christian Watson. Uh, You know, he definitely flashed a bit last season, even with Jordan Love in the the quarterback role, but. He's still raw. He's still unproven. Um, but he, I mean, this guy's being drafted as a wide receiver too, ahead of much more proven, safer guys. So, Britt, what do you what do you think this reasoning is for his jump up the ADP in drafts? Uh, much to the dismay of my lightning round co-host Kevin Tompkins, I am totally and completely out on Christian Watson. And I think why people are so high on him is because they're looking at those big games that he had, right? He had three games over 100 yards, a couple uh, big touchdown games, one of which was a three-touchdown game. Mm -hmm. Um, And people are looking at that to carry over into the season. But the fact is, he doesn't have the same quarterback. LaFleur's offense is going to operate completely differently now that Aaron Rodgers isn't out there calling audibles and switching the plays and shoving players off to the sidelines who he doesn't want to be in his lineup. I mean, we have yet to see what his offense really looks like. And to me, I think that it's going to be a lot of Aaron Jones, a lot of A.J. Dillon, a lot of those short yardage and intermediate routes. And to me, Christian Watson doesn't fit into that. Then you look at his game log. Outside of those three big games that he had, he never had over 49 mm-hmm. yards on in any of the rest of the games that he played in last year. I mean, out of 14 games, he had three big games and 11 that were utter turds. Um, and that, you know, even that 49-yard game, he had eight targets and six receptions. Why could he not do something more with that? In addition, I think that Jordan Love is pretty unproven. We don't necessarily know what he's going to look like. So, Investing a wide receiver to draft capital on Christian Watson is just way too spicy for me. I would rather go with one of the safer guys, the vets who have been proven and who have a stable offensive system and offensive structure. But, you know, the Twitter hype train does not agree with me. So I guess we'll have to see who who is right. That 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 is exactly why this conversation is here. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely, definitely interesting. Um, Bob, what's your thoughts on... Uh, what Britt said, mostly, um, you know, look, 
I'm not going to say that I have zero shares of them, but I have very few shares of them, right? For the, for all the reasons Britt explained. And, but also, I have a few to hedge, right? I've gotten a few because, you know, a couple things is, you know, the coaching cliche goes, there's two things you can't coach, size and speed. Christian Watson has more of both of those than almost anybody else on the field, at least in terms of height, the guy's working, he's working against. And and I'm going to take some, I'm going to take some gambles or at least some chances on the, on the on the possibility that the Packers know how to run a football team and that you what don't is. let a four-time yes. MVP kick his way out of the door, even if he doesn't want to be there, without thinking you at least have a serviceable option at quarterback standing by. Like, I'm not out there actively pursuing Jordan Love. I'm drafting him very late in some drafts, like he's a third quarterback or whatever. But it's yeah. entirely possible they, they know a little more about him than we do. I think what Prince said is totally true. They're going to run the ball more. I think that's Matt LaFleur has been his desire, and it's been difficult. That's one of the reasons Aaron Rodgers has been allowed to go. So maybe Matt LaFleur can run something closer to what he wants to run uh, without you know having a boss on the field changing things up on him. But... <clears throat> still be some opportunities for big plays, but the price is not right for me. The price is right on Romeo dubs for me. Uh, and I'll let other people go, yeah. and, you know, chase Watson around. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, like, and I, and I didn't pick this guy, Mike actually put him on the, on the list, but interestingly enough, like it is a guy that I took in Scott fish. I mean, but that, that's a, that's a big tournament type thing. So, I, you know, I'm right. going a little bold in that my normal drafts I'm passing mm -hmm. on him. Yeah. You know, my, my my typical 12 team leagues where I can, you know, waivers are going to be kind of plentiful and, and things like that. I'm passing on Watson. I don't need to go for the home run and hope that it hits. Um, yeah, Watson, for everything you all said, is is not the guy for me uh, in, in, in my typical leagues. Um, we got another Watson question, though. Yeah, we do have another Watson question. So Connor uh, Tomer here. How do you guys feel about the Sean Watson? He's a risky play in the eighth round. If I can get Daniel Jones in the 11th, um, or is he a risky play in the eighth? If I can get Daniel Jones in the 11th, <clears throat> eh, who wants this one first? I, I just, I have mixed feelings on it because for one, again, what I've seen out of training camp is that they look very good. But then what I saw out of the hall of fame game, if their scheme correlates even 50% to what we saw in the Hall of Fame game. There are going to be a ton of short yardage passes, a ton of screens. The running back is going to be involved a ton, which coincidentally means Nick Chubb to the moon. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of Elijah Moore. Obviously, Amari Cooper is going to have uh, some, so obviously his huge value, but I'm still not 100% concerned that or convinced that Deshaun Watson has shaken off all the rust. I need to see him in some preseason because those six games that we saw him in were utterly atrocious. Yeah. And no. I don't know if he has the same amount of upside with Daniel Jones. I th I think that I would rather lean Jones to be totally honest. They're, they're probably going to end up very close, but the separation in their ADP, I'd rather take that discount. Or take both of them because it's eighth and 11th round. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, yeah. You know, at that point, I mean, I'm not averse to doing that. I'll often take quarterback. I think maybe has more upside. I don't know that it is Watson, but also Watson has been very good in his past on a really lousy team in Houston. He was a top five uh, player at his position, and yeah, you know, and he's got some good pieces around him. So if you have that hope, I, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule out the possibility. If you're sitting there going, "Wow, why would I not have this guy?" Well, get them both. Uh, and take a shot. But but what Britt says is true. If you don't think Watson has that same upside. 
then just avoid, right? I mean, there's plenty of, you know, there's plenty of fish in the quarterback sea with upside going super late in drafts. I mean, let me remind you that Ryan Tannehill has been a top 10 fantasy quarterback and he suddenly has better receivers. Right, so, right. I mean, if you, yeah. you know, if you, if you want to, there you go. If you, I mean, if you want to, if you want to play that game and you're concerned about it, this is the thing about the risk in your roster. You don't have to have as much as you think. All right. If you want to get risk, get it late. And, uh, right. and, and hope that's the kind of the way I play plays. it. Free square plays. Kind yeah. of the way I play it. But let's move on here. So, so, so just sort of a, a general question here again. What do you all do with wide receivers that are now with new unproven quarterbacks? And just a couple of examples, right? So like the commanders now have Sam Howell, though so McLaurin and Dotson, the Buccaneers, Godwin and Evans are going to have, we're, we're not sure yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so there, there are other examples. Obviously you can throw the rookie, you know, the teams with the rookie quarterbacks into that conversation as well. Um, but how do you value the, in, in weigh the risk with that type of situation? Is, is it that the, the talents of the receiver wins out? Or that the quarterback really does play a large factor in your decision. I think uh, let me jump in on this real sure. quick because that's strong feelings. Uh, um, so I think last year we missed out on a lot of wide receivers that were really good because we had fear of their quarterback situations. They were less than ideal. I'll refer to Tyler Lockett, TK Metcalf, Amari Cooper for that matter, Terry, Terry McLaurin for that matter, right? And and they ended up being super productive, probably well outperformed their ADP. So when I see a range of receivers this year that includes. Mike Evans, Michael Pittman, uh, and they're dirt cheap. I can get them as third receivers. I don't think there's a risk there. I don't think Ooh. that's risky. Let me get you out for a second. So you brought up a bunch of good examples about guys outperforming their ADP because of new quarterbacks, but those quarterbacks were proven. Brissett right. has been in the league, right? Gino, Gino Smith, Smith has been around. Maybe not proven to be what? great, right? But like these <laughs> guys be have been around a while. I'm talking about the guys where we're dealing about Sam Howell. You we know, we didn't know if it was going to be Drew Locke or Geno Smith. That's how uncertain. Right, but at least was, right? at least so, both those guys had like played and, NFL and games and more than Tampa, one with like Sam Howell. It's, um, it's true. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not going to let an uncertain quarterback situation scare me off really good players at the right price. And I think these guys, these guys are going at the right price this year. I'll go ahead and throw Marquise Brown in that. In that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. So you're getting them as wide receiver threes to me that, you know, getting really good wide receiver ones at wide receiver three prices. I'm going to go ahead and take a chance with the quarterback and hope it comes around. And, and, and I think that that's the kind of risk I'm more interested in uh, at this point in the season. So would you be more interested in Godwin and Evans than like the McLaurin and Dotsons? Because <clears throat> Godwin and Evans are going later than Give McLaurin me and Dotson. all of them. Um, no, <laughs> I have, I have shares of all of them. Evans is going, I mean, do you think they're not going to try to everything they can to get Mike Evans another thousand yard year? Of course. They I know. Are. Right. Right. So, so I'm yeah. a little more on him cause he's a little cheaper than Godwin. I don't know. Yeah. Bro, what do you think? Am I, am I overstating my case here? No, I think that you make very good points, but for me, a factor that hasn't really been talked about is coaching systems and how these different coaching systems are going to play into either the quarterback's strength or weaknesses and what kind of offense are they going to run. So for me, I think that Enemy is going to incorporate a lot of screens and short yardage passes. I really like Antonio Gibson and Dotson in the system a lot more than I like McLaurin. Um, similarly, 
it really depends on the quarterback for Tampa Bay because apparently Canales is leaning towards the guy who takes care of the ball more. And so far in camp, that's been <laughs> Kyle Trask. So are we going to get a Kyle Trask with a big, accurate arm? Or are we going to get a Baker Mayfield who has to check down? So for me, that situation and that system is a lot more uncertain because if it is Mayfield, I would rather have Rashad White and Chris Godwin. If it's Trask, who's going to make some more accurate throws, then I'm fine with Evans. We really need to take into account the coaching systems and how these different systems operate before we just count out a player because he's, quote, good or, quote, bad. And that, to me, is where these deep dives and your risk aversion, like Bob talked about earlier, really comes into play. Yeah, no, good point. Yeah, I mean, for me, looking at these guys in, in Scott Fish, I should have gone receiver earlier than I did, but my receiver one is Evans, and that was an eighth-round pick. Um, I was at the the one one, so I love all my players before him, but receiver, I'm I'm a little light there. But hey, you know that's part of the risk that I went into again with a huge tournament, <clears throat> knowing you have to you know bounce off of what you typically would do. Um, I don't I don't have much aversion to these players just because I know what they've done in the past. If I'm comfortable with them and they're guys that have produced for me in the past, they're likely going to be still on my radar. Um, but again, like Bob was saying, I want them at the right price. And if they're falling to these super low rounds, that's the right price for me. So I don't have a problem going after them either. So, Joe, you have any thoughts on anybody else there? Or no, I think we're good. We can move on. All right. Jump into our injury concern players. Yeah. So the first one we have here, keeping it with wide receiver, um, Super Bowl hero, if you will, uh, Kadarius Tony. <laughs> Shocker. Guy's already injured. Now what? <clears throat> Britt, what do you think? It's so disappointing, right? Because we had um, Veach out there saying that, he knows that he has wide receiver one capability or else he wouldn't have been drafted where he got drafted. Yeah. Well, sure. Capabilities are all well and good, but, and we don't want to predict injuries because that is just a zero sum game. We don't yeah. like to do that. But if you've been in your third season and you get injured before the season even starts, that's my big red flag for me. Yeah. I don't want to predict injuries, but an already injured player is a gigantic red flag. Um, especially one who had to go in and have meniscus cleanup in his knee that we've already seen over and over and over again. This depth chart in Kansas City is full of, you know, pretty good and pretty flashy wide receivers. And then you've got Travis Kelsey and Jarek McKinnon. Um, you don't really need a lot of good receivers with Patrick Mahomes. He's going to spread the ball out. It just kind of is the guy who's out there. And I think that these guys out there will be good enough that Tony is not really going to make an impact which also on a side note sucks because I wrote about him as one of my wide receiver breakouts I really wanted it to happen but it's not gonna happen guys we stopped yeah, me to too. making fetch happen me too <laughs> he was he was like top of my board like two weeks ago then it was like ah oh, all right never mind <laughs> great Bob. so, so uh, I'm injury agnostic I I try not to fear injuries also I'm not stupid so you know when I see someone like Darius Tony obviously there are red flags there up yeah. the wazoo and also you know the situation as well i mean 
exactly as Brett laid out. There's a lot of pieces. It turns out the wide receiver one in Kansas City is the guy who's open on any play, right? So, <laughs> and look, they'll keep Travis him up. Kelsey. Make yeah. up. Right, it's Travis Kelsey. Like, the Every Kelsey, Kelsey. The, the Chiefs told us what they're what they're doing here when they invested a half a billion dollars in their quarterback and and kept Travis Kelsey around and let Tyreek Hill hit the road, right? Instead of paying him, they said, we have a really good quarterback and a super good tight end, and we're going to make the rest of it all cobble together. And they do. And I think Tony has huge upside, and I think he's a great, great risky pick at the right price, right? Right now, that price is too high based on the current injury situation. But generally speaking, taking out a wider angle, <clears throat> I am injury agnostic, and I will like just, uh, you know, like there's a difference between players who are chronically injured and chronic injuries, right? Like there's a lot of guys that get hurt a lot. Well, it's a two-edged sword, right? We're looking for volume. Volume is the wellspring of all fantasy production. Also, it's what gets you hurt, right? <laughs> More yeah. chances is what gets you hurt. So I want volume. But volume is where the work comes from. And if somebody gets hurt, well, damn it, it's football. That's what happens. I'll deal with it. And I get you all out there. I'm never drafting this guy again because he got hurt, that guy again because he got hurt. Okay, so leave me Christian McCaffrey. If we go to the ADP, <laughs> if we go to the ADP right now and look at the first round ADP, I think there's only one or two players who have not missed games in that first 12 picks. And that's because they're usually either rookies or second round players. Um, and so just, you know, I try not to get, I try not to get caught up in the injuries. We all have players who have burned us and we tend to stay away from those players. I, those are players I'm looking for as they fall down the ADP to cash in on. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. So you bring up, you bring up guys who are like injury, like, like labeled as injury prone and, and a guy that who actually had on this list, but I took him off just to kind of trim the list down. Keenan Allen. Sure. This guy well, is well, look, he had a, he had a, what, a spleen like, okay. He got yeah. his spleen and it was torn. I mean, is he, you know, th there's, it's a collision sport and everyone gets hurt, but you, but I think right. he is a prime He's example. About volume, right. right? That's what I meant. Like this dude yep. just gets the ball like crap ton. Like, so yeah, naturally injuries are going to happen, but when he's on the field, let's do the baller. Like get in the ball, draft him. And he is falling so far in drafts right now. Yeah. I'm going to have a ton of shit. Of Wide Allen six right now. down the stretch. Wide receiver six down the stretch after he returned from his injury last yeah, year. This but nonsense. Is, it is like, and I get it. You know, I mean, like, and also I'm going to acknowledge out there. I'm in a, a lot of leagues. I do a lot of drafts. So I feel like <laughs> I can take more chances. If you're in a yeah. league and you feel like, wow, this guy, I just have total fears. I get that. That's a different kind of thing. And maybe I would be a little more cautious, but for the most part, I am greedy for volume and volume. Yeah. Is, no, me too. Know, guys fall down the list who get that volume because people are afraid they're going to get hurt. They're going to get hurt because they get a lot of chances. And that's, that's part of the game. I mean, we say with running backs, volume is king. Same thing with any player. Volume is king. But it does lead to injuries. That's life. You you got it. that's the risk you do take. Yep. It's it's you know, it's the risk here too, like with the next set of players here. I'm gonna love them together here, Brees Hall and Javonta Williams. Um, both coming off ACL injuries and then some for Williams, unfortunately. Um both guys are expected to be back fairly early in the season, if not by week one. We're not totally sure yet. Um, there's also the talk that Dalvin Cook is going to show up in New York to ruin Brees Hall. <laughs> um, Denver signs Samaj P. Ryan, who has been a fair, a very talented player when getting given the opportunity. So with both of these players, and in, in you know. 
take your pick of one or comment on both. I don't really care. Um, you know, what's your level of, you know, comfort drafting them where they're going right now? And uh, I think Bobby went first last time. So Brett, yeah. your turn. Yeah. With Brees Hall, actually any running back coming off an ACL injury, it concerns me especially when like Brees Hall, they start out on pup when they're looking to actively acquire a free agent. But even more so than that, we've seen studies over the course of however many seasons Mm -hmm. that outside of Adrian Peterson, that even if you're back on the field, your efficiency as a running back coming back from an ACL tear dips dramatically from the season prior. It takes you about two seasons to get back to that pre-injury form. And with Sean Payton in there, I would not be surprised to see a lot more P Ryan. Um, I really don't have a lot of Javante Williams and I definitely don't have a lot of Brees Hall where he's going. I know that people are fully enamored with his talent and how good he was, which, you know, <clears throat> admittedly he was great, but you have to factor in if you are injured by the time that the season and especially the preseason rolls around, that's a, another big red flag. We saw it with JK Dobbins last season play week one. Okay. Well, for one, he wasn't, it took him three weeks to get on the field for two. He wasn't even ready to come back when he got on the field. And then he had to have a cleanup procedure that kept him out for another six weeks. It's just, there is so much risk, especially when it comes to knee injuries for running backs that I'm not exactly high on either one of them. I will say if Javante looks good in preseason, because he is supposed to play, in some of these preseason games mm-hmm. that'll alleviate a little bit of the concerns that I have for him, but then his ADP is going to skyrocket. And then what value right. are you getting on? Yeah. That? Right now he's going around. I'm, I'm using sleeper ADP right now. PPR. He's going to 77 or no half. He's going to 77 and, and a half PPR. He's going to 73.2. So it's pretty decent value for a guy who's got the talent that Williams has. Um, you know, and and if you've if you've gone receiver heavy early, or maybe taking a quarterback early or a tight end early, taking a guy like Javante at you know seventy seven or seventy three overall isn't terrible. I don't mind that. Brees Hall, I'm deathly afraid of at this point for multiple reasons. Right. All of them that you said, Britt. You know, Cook is around, coming off the ACL. You never know. There's no, there's still no guarantee he even starts week one. Like you're drafting this guy in what the third round. I'm out. There's no chance. I take Brees Hall this year in any draft, unless he falls to like round five, even six. I, yeah, I'm totally out, but Williams is a different story. He's going around some guys that, I mean, there's all the ton of question marks. I mean, just talk about Mike Evans. He's, he's right above him in ADP Deontay Johnson got, you know, a rookie, Jackson Smith, Najigba, you know, George Pickens, David Montgomery. Like, we don't know what's going on there. There's a lot of guys in there. Where you're kind of like, nobody's safe <laughs> there. So it's like, if you're going to, like, they're all risky. So if you're going to take risk, go with the guy with the highest upside and Williams, possibly. That's that's a range where I'm much more okay taking, taking the risk, in my opinion. So um, do you all have any other... Um, Injury concern players that I, that we didn't mention, uh, Bob. Yeah, I'm I'm like uh, I am a hammer, and Michael Thomas is my nail. Is, yep. is my wide receiver four. Uh, you know, and I'm just gonna acknowledge uh, the same happy stories I'm hearing from beat writers over and over again. This year, I heard over and over again last year. So, 
Uh, and still, I'm a sucker. Cannot let it go. It's not going to be 2019 Michael year. Thomas any more than it's going to be, you know, 2013 Josh Gordon's going to walk in my door and and win me titles either. But but it, but you look at the last year early in the season, it was oh, pretty Josh good. Gordon. Started out with a two, you know, two touchdown game. Yeah. Uh, look, was looked like he was definitely targeted. Year. It's an upgrade at quarterback. And so, uh, so yeah, and he's my wide receiver four. The price is right. And just going yeah. back to Brees Hall, his price is insane. I know on underdog, he's like running back 11. Uh, that's exactly what Britt said. Crazy. I mean, there's a difference between players you're worried are going to get hurt and players who are. Yeah, right. Right now, thing, things are pretty high on 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 Brees Hall. Um, I know it, it should fall down pretty soon. No, I'm totally with you on Michael Thomas. By the way, uh, I keep drafting him, and I hate myself for it every time I do. I'm like, oh, I don't. why? I but don't. I'm like, I'm looking at the board. I'm like, there's nobody else that even has a remote chance of doing <clears> what he could do. Does he stay healthy? I mean, he restructured his contract to stay with the Saints. He's on a prove it deal. Like he knows. Like he needs. He needs to prove it to make more money. And to me, that's motivation for him. Felt like in the last couple of years, he didn't have that motivation. Now he's got it. So that that's why I'm all back in on him, especially at his draft cost. Brett, do you have anybody to to add to this this list here? Um, nobody to really add except for maybe one that we're going to talk about here in a second. Okay. Um, on the on the consistency. All right, range. well, we'll, we'll um, move on then. So, AJ, right. yeah, uh, let's, let's jump into in it. Well, I'll throw one more name out there. Oh, okay. Bob? Darren Waller is another one. I'm not uh, sure. Yeah. But, you know, the price is right. The upside is there. I'm looking for tight ends who have the path to be their team's wide receiver. One, he has that path at a much cheaper price than Travis Kelsey, yes. who I'm happy paying for. Mark Andrews, who I'll still pay for. Uh, but Waller is, to me, the next guy that looks like he has wide receiver one, de facto wide receiver one upside. In an offense, and he's going sixth, seventh round. Okay. You, uh, were you listening to our show last week when Andrew Cooper came on and like touted? Oh, I've talked to Coop. Yes, absolutely. He he touted Waller. He made me move him up my rankings. I was like, all right, fine. You convinced me. I did it. Um, he, he's totally right. He's absolutely right. It's it's you know there's injury concern with him because he hasn't been healthy in quite some time. So I get it. But yep. uh, and that's why I moved him down. But. Screw it. Moving back up. I'm all in. Let's do it. <laughs> Dead hurt his finger, I think, today. Did he? <laughs> all yeah, right. I think it was yesterday he dislocated it, um, but a trainer popped it back in. A he hasn't, yeah, he hasn't That's showed nothing. back up on any any injury report. So <laughs> Throw no, on the no, no pun intended. Um, over, over fingers crossed that he's going to be good. <laughs> oh, man. I may have all to right. pull one out of the socket just to cross it over my other one. Uh, we got a question here from Angelo. Mike Williams left me frustrated. Not really a question. I got, uh, yeah, and I got <laughs> stuck with him again. I don't know how you get stuck with him again, but uh, you could just draft somebody else. Uh, I, unless well, it's the Dynasty no, League. I, I can answer that. I got stuck with him in a uh, an abandoned uh, league that I took over last well, year. Well, that's your fault. And I, mean, I just missed the cutoff because had a few things going on this week. Yeah. Uh, and I missed our like drop cutoff thing on uh, on MFL. But so I felt Mike Williams like, can be good. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I, I've I actually traded him in a dynasty league. The the year he started off like five games in a row and was like going crazy. I was like, yeah. see you later. Traded him for a first round pick. It was out. I was done with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he's one of those guys where we're gonna jump into consistency players. He's another one who always falls in that like 
man, how do you deal with these players? Where do you draft them? How do they fit on your roster? So I get it, man. It, it's tough owning a Mike Williams. So we're going to jump into the next one here, yep. AJ. All right. So consistency or lack thereof, uh, only been good once. You know, you're coming off a breakout season, hasn't actually proven it over full season before. So the first guy that we have listed here is, and it's actually perfectly on topic, because I was looking at him in my own league, Tony Pollard. He, you know, you could potentially go after a, a Madison or a Cam Akers, uh, you know, within this same kind of realm. But let's focus on Pollard. Oh no, I'm talking. I'm talking. So sorry. No, I know. Yeah. Hey, no, no, I, no, no. So, so what I meant is like with this. Yeah. So like they're they're kind of part of the same conversations where like they haven't done it over the full season. Not as far yeah, as like yeah. ADP. Just want to make sure that that was clear. Yeah, the ADP, the ADP for Pollard is around oh, like far. like Ramondre Stevenson, <laughs> oh, Brees Hall, Josh yeah, Jacobs. It's definitely much higher. I'm just saying those guys, you know, are kind of in the same boat as Pollard on more of a prove it system. But yes, focus yes, on that, that's what I meant. Thank you. Better IP. Right, Sorry, I just want to make better sure. Better IPA, better ADP. <laughs> anyway, uh, so right. yeah, Tony Pollard. What, what do you all what, yeah, what do you Bob, all think about this? I think uh, Bob, you're your first this time. Bobby frozen. I think, I, think, frozen. I think we're frozen again. Brit, Brit, you're up yes. first. <laughs> no, that's that's totally fine because I am very concerned both as a Cowboys fan and somebody Oof. who's drafting because <laughs> Pollard, as explosive as he's been, you know, last year was the first year that he's actually come up as you know a top ten or top twelve running back, and he's never had over two hundred carries in a season with Zach Martin holding out with coming back off that ankle injury, which is kind of what I was alluding to in the last segment, um, a pretty severe ankle injury that does take time to rehab. I'm concerned about him. It feels like we're drafting him a little bit at his ceiling. Um, he also works better on the outside. He's not a big between the tackles guy. And then again, if Zach Martin does end up holding out and then you know Tyron Smith or whoever else on that line gets hurt that we've consistently seen get hurt over and over and over again. I do have some pretty big concerns for Pollard. I know that with Mike McCarthy, he has said that he wants to run the ball more because they quote score too fast, which that's a whole other can of worms. Um, But if Pollard is going to have to be the guy and be the bell cow, it's not going to be Deuce Vaughn. I mean, five, six Deuce Vaughn isn't going to be plowing through those tackles. not going to be suspended Ronald Jones neither. No, I really think that they're going to have to, bring somebody in off free agency. I've been of the opinion that they're going to re-sign Zeke to a very small deal just to come back in and uh, pass block to kind of be that little plotter, just get that little short yardage gain. Because I don't think that Pollard is the guy. And where his ADP has shot up to, man, I'm I'm out on him, to be totally honest. I feel like my internet was trying to keep me from making a fool of myself when I was... No, uh, so... So, I mean, it's worth noting there. I mean, Derek Brown at Fantasy Pros has Pollard as his running back one this year, and, and he makes a really strong case about red zone usage, et cetera. Um, probably Pollard is a guy I won't have a lot because there are a lot of other players I feel like have more dependable volume in that same range. And, like, do I think he's going to get, you know, 200-plus carries? No. Uh, you know, I, and I think he may make some of it up, but he didn't catch all that many passes last year. Look, he's good, and I'm not, like, saying I'm scared of him. <clears throat> 
uh, they're just players I like at that price range a little bit more. And that's, that's kind of the direction I've been going. So I, you know, just think back to last year, you know, when some skip, Pete is not there anymore, but the running backs coach talked about organizationally, they only wanted to play a certain number of snaps. And there was a reason for that because they thought he was most effective with 30 snaps or fewer. So, so that to me, you know, when he's going ahead of players, like in some cases ahead of Derrick Henry, who I'm still all in on. I'm not scared of you, Derrick Henry. I love you. Come to me. Um, <laughs> I'm looking for that kind of volume. So that's that's what uh, that's a little more of what I'm after there. Like <clears throat> I'm hoping Pollard turns out to be great guns. And look, they have every reason to run the wheels off him, a la you know Josh Jacobs last year, except even more so. He's on that ten million dollar franchise tag, and you know he's an expensive rental. So use the hell out of him. We've seen the Cowboys do that in the past, but it's been a little while. Yeah, I I do think this is a little bit of. There's a, a little bit of oh well Zeke's not there so it's got to be Pollard right and so it's it's all it's all the you know all the carries go to Pollard. no Britt, I'm right I'm right there with you like I'm afraid that he's not going to be as efficient with you know you know ten more touches a game like it's just not going to work for him so uh, I, I'm kind of out on him where he's going. My rankings and projections kind of say otherwise, but my draft my draft. Like when it comes to time where like he's on the board with somebody else, uh, kind of go somewhere else. Um, so I'll, I'll adjust as, as we go with, with, with the rankings, but right now it's, it's, you know, it's still early August. There's not, not a ton of people doing this right now. So, uh, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it, Pollard does scare me. There is a lot of risk there. Next up here though, I do want to bring up a tight end, George Kittle, 49ers. Look, we know this guy. He balls out certain games, multiple games in a row sometimes. Um, but then there's injuries. There's game script where Shanahan is like, oh, well, we're just going to leave you in the block for you know our stud running backs and then Debo. Uh, like, this is how we're going to win the game. And then the next game, Kittle's going to go off. So there's a little bit of inconsistency, and there's also injury mixed in. So, uh, Bob, let you go first while your internet's still working. <laughs> he's, he's, thank you. <laughs> thank you, internet. <laughs> he's a little boom bust for me, uh, you know, so at, that, at the price he's going at. So I think that's why I'm missing out on him a fair amount. Like, I'd rather go just before him. I think still, you know, TJ Hawkinson, today's news, yeah. notwithstanding, and people, you know, news don't get too caught up in the moment by moment the things we're talking about today about players being unhappy happy whatever they are we aren't going to be talking about september we'll be talking about totally different things so uh, i think his workloads in in an offense that throws the ball a hell of a lot part of george kittle's problems is he's such a good blocker it's it costs him right he's not always out on routes uh, and so physical and he did look he had caught what six or six or seven of Purdy's 13 touchdowns last year. I mean, he does seem to be have a little connection with Brock Purdy and, and that's all well and good. He's a very good player. Great yards after catch. All those things are fantastic. Like all that, just the same problem with him kind of that I have with Debo that, you know, it's an offense with a lot of weapons and they're going to spread it around and different guys are going to have big weeks and you're paying an awful high premium for that with him. And that's the thing specifically with tight ends too, right? Like as y'all mentioned, Andrew Cooper earlier has always Mm. said consistently over and over and over these elite tight ends and to be an elite tight end, you need to be a top two target on your team. Part of being a top two target means that you're not going to be blocking like Bob said, but Mm. two, you're going to be 
you know, in a highly consolidated system. And I think with Ayuk out there, with McCaffrey out there, there's a real chance that Kittle ends up fourth on the team in targets. And that's definitely not the kind of production that you want to see when you're drafting him as what? Tight end four, tight end five, where he's going off the board, depending on where you're drafting him. He's just injury concerns aside. I, I don't think that he's got the pathway to being an elite tight end. And that's where you have to parse out elite talent versus does the scheme fit your talent for fantasy? Yeah, it, it's tough with him because, and this is where also like people get skewed with drafting every year, right? Is you look at the season long points, Kittle's going to finish high up every year because he has these massive games where he's going to score three touchdowns. He might do two of that like every year. Like it, he's, he's crazy like that. Um, for years, Amari Cooper was always thrown into that. You know, last year he kind of proved me wrong finally, but you know, he, I, I still think he's kind of that guy, but George Kittle falls into that scenario where he is going to have these like huge games. And then he's going to have these like dud games, but the, the big games, especially in tight ends, he's going to finish tight end five, six at worst, right? Just by having two or three of those. And so a guy is a, a, a fantasy manager looking at season long points from last year going like, Oh, who should I take a tight end? Going to look at Kittle and go, Oh, I should take him consistency wise though. Not good. You need consistency and perfect segue, right? Like, you know, we're going to the fantasy football expo this weekend. All of us are. And Bob Lung writes the consistency guide. Like, this is a major factor in having your teams win. And George Kittle is the guy who I'm usually out on in drafts. Um, you know, again, the big tournaments like Scott Fish, I took him because big tournaments. You gotta, you gotta go, you gotta go for the home run. You gotta hope, hope for the best sometimes. But uh, otherwise, I'm, I'm kind of out. So next up here, AJ. Let's let's. Uh, yeah. So the next guy we got here is Gabe Davis. And I mean, you think consistency with him, he's been consistently great in the touchdown category, which is something you can never predict uh, or, or rely on. Um, but his yardage, you know, 600 yards almost in 2020, uh, just under that in 2021, 549, and then jumped all the way up to 836. I mean, we know this is a high powered offense. What do you guys think about um, Gabe Davis here? I'm going to jump in here because I have very strong feelings on Gabe Davis and feel like he is not in the least consistent. Um, His catch rate of like 52%, 55%, whatever it was last season, doesn't scare me in the least. Somebody who has 93 targets and only comes down with 48 of them, scratch them off immediately. This isn't just a one-year anomaly We've seen it year after year after year after year that Gabe Davis cannot catch a freaking football. Everybody mm. is enamored with the fact that he scored like a touchdown or two against the Chiefs. And then he was all of a sudden <laughs> the best thing since yes. sliced bread. And he's not. He will. He's great for best ball. I'll give you guys that. Yes. But if I'm looking at him on my redraft team or my dynasty team, I don't want to put somebody in my lineup who has a floor of zero and then a ceiling of 30. That's not the kind of variable that I'm also Mike at. Williams. <laughs> I haven't said anything about Mike Williams. I oh, well, we, we brought really him like up earlier, either. but <laughs> I just, I, 
I'm totally out on him. I think that bringing in Dalton Kincaid even lessens the likelihood yep. that he's going to be focused on in the red zone. And then you look at what James Cook has been doing as a receiving back. He's, you know, stepped up in, into that role. I think that they're going to have a different kind of offense because they've said year after year that they want to take the rushing burden off of Josh Allen in order to preserve him and his health. I'm completely out on Gabe Davis. Sorry yeah. for that rant, Bob. No, 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 oh, you're fine. Good. And and nice Bob, bit. right before you go real quick, I just want to mention Gabe Davis is a perfect example of what I was mentioning earlier with George Kittle, where like you're going to look at the season end points and he finished uh, in half PPR. Cause that's kind of where I go. Wide receiver 28, right? And so you're going to look at that and go, oh, he's going, you know, way later than that. It's perfect. Oh, look at consistency points per week. Look at the ups and the downs. Like Britt is saying, do not fall for it. We all fell for it, you know, last year after his massive end of the season run, plus that massive playoff game he had. We all fell for it. <clears throat> yes, did he finish, you know, respective, you know, lead? toward you know where he was drafted at 28th overall in half PPR sure but the consistency was awful so Bob I will let you I stood on the soapbox last year last summer just saying you're you know we remember the last thing we see and we all remember the Chiefs game and we were all drafting him like he was that player and when he clearly is not that player I mean he can be that player is there but that player is not there right. every week it's exactly Damn, what you ball. said Phenomenal. and I think there are great offenses uh where it's a narrow band of players you can count on week to week. You know, you can look at the chiefs offense. I'm counting on Patrick Mahomes. I'm counting on Travis Kelsey. You look at Buffalo. I'm counting on Josh Allen and, and Stefan Diggs. And after that, like I want pieces, but I want them at the right price. Cause you're kind of taking your chances. They're going to show up various weeks and, and you're not going to know which ones in advance, better best ball plays than, than in season plays. Yep. Gabe Davis. I think the price has dropped to a point now where he's more appealing yet. Still Bob Harris has no shares. Yeah. Uh, AJ, anything before I move on to the next no, one? That's good. Fun. So the next one here is a, is a favorite of our producer, Mike LaPlante here. Uh, Justin Fields. Um, look, this is the guy where we saw him have a miserable rookie season when he actually got the chance. Um, came in last year and then just ran like crazy. Um, but didn't pass at all. I mean, like bottom of the barrel, like behind backups, behind players who got hurt as far as passing attempts. How do you manage? How do you reason drafting a player like him? Who I feel like has a ton of risk because if, if he doesn't run for as many yards as he did last year, and the touchdowns, of course, on top of it, we're talking about Justin Fields. If he does not run for over a thousand yards again, how do we draft him at QB five, six, wherever he is going? It's four sometimes. Um, Bob, uh, we don't. Um, I don't. I not. You know, like I'm. I do have a share or two in best ball, but you know, as you get close to the triple digit drafts and. You're looking at just a couple shares of a player. I, there's just players I like either slightly ahead of them or slightly after them. I think if I'm looking for that quarterback in that particular tier that has a chance to be quarterback one, I feel more comfortable that it'll be Lamar Jackson. 
And if mm -hmm. I'm looking for a quarterback who I think might get there more as a passer, it's probably going to be the guys after him, Justin uh, Herbert and, and Trevor Lawrence. So those are yeah. probably more of the plays I'm getting than, and just for the reasons you said, Joe, you nailed it. Yeah. And again, we don't hate players. We hate their ADPs. There's no doubt that Justin Fields is talented, yes. but going at QB five, that to me is pretty much his absolute ceiling because we've already got the guys like uh, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts sitting well above him. And then you can kind of interchange Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson on either side of him and sandwich him. I don't think with a 60% completion percentage or a 58% completion percentage the year before that he really improved that much. We just all thought that he did because on paper and his fantasy stats, we were like, he's scoring so many points. This looks great. I think that he's going to have to throw the ball more. And again, that's where that completion percentage comes in. Is he going to be able to translate that production when he's throwing to guys like Chase Claypool, who was out modeling in Paris Fashion Week and who <laughs> Bears said that they really didn't like his commitment and his work ethic towards his team. There are just so many unknowns in this Bears passing game. I think it's going to go back pretty much to where it's run heavy and bringing in the guys that they did. I don't, I don't see fields. Yeah. I mean, adding DJ more helps for sure. Uh, they did upgrade the offensive line, but I'm still not, I'm still not loving Justin Fields at his ADP. I think he'll be talented, you know, top 10 QB for sure, I think. But top five, oof, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough price tag for me. Yeah. AJ? Yeah, I actually don't have any shares of fields yet. And I don't know how I feel about that yet. I, <laughs> like part of me wanted to try to target him somewhere and I just haven't yet. And I'm like, huh, all right, I missed another chance. <laughs> so I, think I mean, he, gets, he keeps getting drafted like a couple slots in front of me, like when yeah. I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, ah, that's fine. I don't feel bad about it. Like, I don't really care. You reach the season, the portion of best ball draft season when you start in February uh, and you're getting yeah. into August where you feel like, Wow, I don't have any. You're drafting based on I don't have any of that guy yet. Maybe yeah. I should. Right? That's, yeah, that's what I'm yeah. yeah. At when you're, like, if you're gonna do a, like multiple drafts in best right. ball, fine. I'll, I'll take a chance. Right. That, but in like my couple of redraft time. leagues, I'm, I'm out. Like right. you know, uh, I I think we do have a question here, and I apologize, uh, Jackson. We we've totally botched this one. Yeah, in a shallow eight man league, um, with I pick six, keeping uh, Jefferson. Should I open up with Amon Ra, Pollard, or Chubb? AJ, you answered it on YouTube, and and, and I agree with you. Nick Chubb is yeah. hands down it's my pick. Be Nick you Chubb guys agree? That. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't throw, I wouldn't, you know, have a big argument against Amon Ra. So you're going to get other running backs as well, but I'd probably yeah. go Chubb. Yeah, Chubb, Chubb seems like a guy who's going to be just crazy good this year. But uh, Britt, do you have any? Yeah, I would say things? it depends on the scoring because I am leaning either Amon-Ra or Chubb. If it's full PPR, I'm leaning a little more in favor of Amon-Ra just because of how highly consolidated those targets are going to be just it's out of necessity. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, you can't really go wrong with. Yeah. I mean, eight guys. man, you're, you're going to see a lot, um, yeah, a lot of talent all around. Get both right. of them. Yeah. I think with me, with Chubb, it's like Chubb feels like one of those players who's falling a little bit now without hunt too now you wonder if he could be like i mean 
I, is it out of question that he's RB1 after this season? No. Just because of the usage he's going to see this year? Not out of the question. That's why I say Chubb, just because you take that risk there, knowing that in an eight-man league, you're might going to find boatloads of talent later. Might get both of them. Yeah. <laughs> you might, too. That That's the thing. So, yeah. All right. Um, all right. So jumping into last topic here we got is holdout concerns. Holdout, uh, talk, injuries, talk whatever injury. it is. There's just yeah, nonsense going on here. <laughs> it's you know all of these guys kind of fall into to both categories except for Jacobs with pup, but he's the first one we have here. Josh Jacobs obviously holding out. He's the uh, the last remaining domino. It seems like that hasn't signed or has he signed yet? And I nope. missed that. Nope, okay. did not. I didn't think Bag so. Or is he reported? Yeah. So, I, so I mean, well, what just, are we doing with Jacobs? I'll just kick in here. I mentioned earlier the stories we're talking about in July, August aren't always the stories we're or almost never the stories we're talking about in September. Um, and and were it not for a bad case of bad judgment by Levia Bell, we would still be saying, well, that never happens, right? But now we can't say it never happens because it happened. Um, but also almost it never happens. So I tend like I'm seeing Josh Jacobs. I was in an FFPC draft the other night. He's there at 310. I mean, there's no way I'm not taking him at 310. Yeah. Right? I mean, if he if he shows up in Las Vegas as expected, and the beat writers I've talked to have all said the same thing, he's going to be there week one. Whether he's off to a slow start, maybe you know, but they love him. They want him to do the same kind of things. And if he was a you know, if he was a rental last year, this year he's a, an expensive rental, and they're going to go yeah. double down on running the wheels off him uh, because he's you know alongside Devontae Adams, their best weapon. So all these guys. I'm I'm looking to reap the value on the players where the where we're having the the issues. Jonathan Taylor as well. Uh, just a quick reminder, and I say this all the time because it bears saying: the public portion of the negotiations are always the most contentious contentious portions. That's the you know people are lo- jockeying for position and and for some reason think that fan sentiment is going to sway something or whatever. You know, we saw it with Saquon Barkley where he was talking, oh I might have to hold out. And behind the scenes they're sitting there hammering out a deal and then he had to change yeah. bars. So don't be surprised if that's the way most of these six play out. Yeah. 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 I'm not so concerned about Jacobs holding out as I am the effectiveness of the Raiders offense as a whole and especially their offensive line Mm -hmm. that offensive line is very unproven Um, Mm -hmm. the defense isn't going to do them any favors we say often that running is the luxury of the winning team and I don't see a lot of wins on the Raiders schedule Um, their last year either uh, yeah, well, but it's yeah. so worked out for Jacobs. <laughs> but there, I feel like there were a lot of closer games, though. Right. There yeah. were a lot That's of like, one-score games, there, there and I don't necessarily see a That's lot of true. those one-score games this year. Um, with Taylor, they're going to work something out. He's going to be traded, or they're going to figure it out. I mean, he's just too good to sit out. He and has no options. Colts, no, and yeah. the Colts aren't petty enough to put him on an FI. Well, the owner might be. Well, yeah, Ursa is a different story. Yeah, it's funny. Like, so I, you know, I'm looking at, I'm in Raz Ball right now. And so I'm looking at, of course, that's a best ball. You know, I'm looking at, and of course, best ball is totally different. Jacobs fell to like three, uh, three six. And and yeah, like to your point, Bob, like I would have taken him earlier. I've actually, I took Keenan Allen ahead of him. Um, a little bit because I am a little, you know, scared of what's going to happen with the offense and, and, you know, I mean, who knows, but like, 
best ball, I, I kind of lean receiver, but like in a normal redraft league, like I probably would have taken Jacobs there. Like it's, you know, my, my, my standard home leagues, you know, with my friends, stuff like that. Like I'm thinking Jacobs, like he's a monster. Like the dude's got to get 200, you know, 200 carries or well, 250 carries, you know, 50 catches, 300 plus touches easy. So yeah, I, I'm right there. And yeah, we, we mentioned Jonathan Taylor who, who, um, yeah, he's, we yeah, had so a he's list on too, the so. list still dealing with this ankle injury or um, with a back. We don't know yet. They're but... making it up at this point. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think they're we just, have no idea what's going on. There, they're but... just trying to like shield her say and be like, well, we, no, uh, he's, he's drunk and talking again. Don't mind him. There um, is. Here's what's really happening. <laughs> I, I can't I can't find the the message, but I do know there was a guy in on fantasy six pack in our, in our group chat here, he talked about a, a league where somebody took CMC one, one came back around on the turn and took Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs. And the, and the dude's just like bragging. And, but he, the guy, the guy from fantasy six pack is like, uh, this guy is going to like not be fun when he loses. And I'm like, I mean, like really like if all three of those dudes play for real, how does he lose? Like that is insane. But I get the risk and why these guys are falling. But I I don't know. Like I'm gonna drop on drop them a couple of spots from probably where they should have been going if it was like guaranteed they were gonna play. But I'm not dropping them as far as some people are. I I think it's gone too far. And it sounds like you both agree. I don't think that J.K. Dobbins though, which was who I was gonna talk about at the end of that is so much a holdout concern as, or even injury concern for that matter, as it is the Todd Munkin effect that Lamar Jackson is going to pass more. It's going to be a much more spread offense that they're going to run four wide receiver sets that historically Baltimore hasn't passed a lot to their running backs. I think that that factors in a lot more to why JK Dobbins has fallen so far than it is an actual holdout or even injury concern. Yeah. Uh, he's like the out of all those the one that i'm least comfortable at least confident i mean and i'm kind of alone on this i know people that i talk to a lot matt wallman thinks he's in for a big year and you know i mean and i get it the talent is all there i just i feel less comfortable about him than i do about the others uh just in general so we'll see yeah no Not out i agree, on I agree. Isn't bad but but just like there's other players to that same range i feel well I feel, I'm, <laughs> yeah I'm, 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 i have taken any i agree um to me, with with the Ravens, it's it's a little bit of the the new offense. I wonder how much they're going to spread it out. I mean, he did a little bit of that in Louisville, like you know, and that that's that's where he came from, you know, spread offense, college offense type of thing. So uh, Lamar can play in that offense for sure. Um, it's just a matter of do they have the receivers to really do it? I know you know OBJ fine. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I trust it as much, but. Um, I, I still think Dobbins is going to be fine, and I love his draft cost. Like, I think he's going at a range where he can easily outperform it for some reason. I, I just – am I going to take him over his ADP? Probably not. <laughs> uh, maybe a couple spots, but I think he can easily outperform it. I don't think he's going to fall much farther below it, though. That That's where he, he's a very, very safe pick where he's going if you need running back at that range. So, 
I think uh, AJ, if you got anything to add, I think I think we're done. I, I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Cool. All, all we had listed, at least, is there. Is there anybody else that we missed that you guys are, you know, risk adverse or reverse? <laughs> Get, reverse? Really? Get. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I keep forgetting right to ask but... that question. Yeah. If you, if you all had anybody else to add, I, I, you know, go ahead and throw them out now. I, I completely forgot to ask that later. Just trying to run through I'm, the show. I'm sure more will come up as training camp and preseason happens, yeah. but uh, just keep an eye out on my Twitter and I'm sure that I'll talk into the void about it and, and uh, we'll go from there. Absolutely. Awesome. Bob, anybody else you want to throw in here real quick? I think I threw in a, a couple. I, I think most of the ones that I feel like are the riskiest are like so cheap that I don't care. Right. Or yeah. cheap enough, you know, the guys that I'm taking shots on are super late, you know, the Taekwon Thornton's the last round flyers, you know, yeah, super risky play. Also he's free. So, I'm fine with that. And, and just, you know, just in, in general, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to win championships without taking some chances. So just, yeah. you know, keep it in perspective, mitigate the risk with the players you're more comfortable with, or you have better expectations for, or you feel like you're not taking chances with and, and all will be well. Rapid fire in or out. Anthony Richardson, Bob. Oh, in all the way. Ben. Super in. Ooh, all right. So you are in on the randomness rookie running quarterback. Mitigate okay. that risk with a, you know, like an early QB2. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> totally a Baker Mayfield and like six months later. <laughs> oh, AJ. Oh, Why we love you. Yeah, no. You, you take Anthony, Anthony Richardson around, you know, around like eight, you know, where he's going. And then and then you you, yep. you pop Her in. Cousins. A, pop in a Kirk. Yeah. Bam, man, you and Bob, man, man, we're on the same page. Love it. All right, so uh, that's it for the show. I want to thank you both for coming on. Uh, Britt, let you close out first. Let let us everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and social medias and, and what you got going on this season. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter or X or whatever it is called now, at Britt <laughs> underscore Flynn, two Ts, F-L-I-N-N. Um, you can also find me on Fantasy Alarm. I'm working on the draft guide right now, doing updates because it is a living draft guide. Um, then I'm on Better Sports Network, A Better Morning, 9 p.m. or 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, Alarm Fantasy Football from Tuesday through Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, Lightning Round Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. And then a brand new show, Brits Fantasy Blitz, on Mondays and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern on A Better Sports Network. Nice. Awesome. Good stuff. Definitely check all that out. Busy, Thank busy. you for coming on again. Love it. Bob, we know you're a busy man too. So uh, what you got going on, man? I think I'm quitting work so I can watch all Brit stuff. Oh, I know, yeah. right? <laughs> the lot. <laughs> Go to at football diehard is the Twitter footballdiehards.com is the website. You can go there. Our premium content cranks up in earnest on uh, Tuesday this week. Uh, got the magazines out there, the pro forecast, the football diehards magazine and the football diehard show. You'll be surprised to learn. It's called that on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio and the Football Diehards YouTube channel. You can subscribe to that. You see great people on there all the time, like like Britt Flynn. And soon to be Bond <laughs> and AJ. Yeah. Eventually, one of these days, I'll have we'll get to you. not, not you know, I know you bring your guests on Thursdays usually. I'll have to figure it out one of these we'll times. We, do, we'll we usually do our shows on Thursdays, so <laughs> we'll I'm just going to have to suck it up and just do it late night. We'll time. figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll do it. But uh, Bob and Britt, thank you for coming on to the show. 
Appreciate awesome. it. And uh, awesome see you, you all this coming weekend yeah. Yeah, at the Fantasy Football right. Expo. I love it. I am so excited for the weekend. All right. Have a good night, both of you. Thanks. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Um, so that is it for the show. AJ, I want to thank you for um, doing thank nothing. I did both. absolutely nothing for this show this week. So you're, you're okay, welcome. dude. You're you're all right. Uh, I want to thank you for coming. <laughs> For joining us, man. You know, I know you had a no you had a pretty shit week, honestly. The lack of a better words. Thank you for drinking with us. Yeah, yeah. I made good, a man. point or two, so I'm I'm good. Yeah. Oh, you're good, man. All right. So, uh, but anyway, next. Uh, actually, we are not. It's not next week at this point. It's like three days from now. <laughs> yeah, it's like we'll be right back. Uh, yeah, we'll be tomorrow. right back. Uh, uh, we're like a commercial, or like we're in a we're like a sitcom with like yeah, a one of those commercial break here bump lines right now uh, funky yeah, 80s music and and then you know mike can drop us both off and then put us back and then i'll be on that side you'll be on this side and it'll be that'll who be knows crazy. anyway we're doing a um uh, we're calling uh, a uh, random topic new show debate. and we're back um <laughs> calling it a random topic debate next week we are bringing on ian kenyon and Britt brought him up earlier. Kevin Tompkins. Hell yo. Um, so we, we love our fantasy alarm people, apparently. So, uh, you know, we've had Howard. Almost, almost wore my best. We've had, uh, we've had Andrew. We've had Britt. We've had Kevin. Kevin. You're listening. Man, we're going to bring on the whole the whole crew. Like, Howard, if you're listening, like, we just. Don't forget Coop. I said Coop. I said Andrew oh. Cooper. Nah, well, you weren't listening to me. I like my wife. Spotted cow. Anyway, we're going to have some random topic debates. And so what we're going to do is going to be fun. Mike, listen up. You got to remember this. You got to bring up some topics. Nobody's going to know what they are ahead of time. That'll be fun. One of these. This is what we decided to do again. Yes. I hope you're prepared. I how how are we preparing for this? You're exactly. asking the questions that we have no idea what you're asking us. Yeah, you could be like, "Did your daughters eat spaghetti again tonight?" Prepare to and I'd be like, "Probably." Right. <laughs> anyway, so we are gonna bounce, but uh, yeah, join us on Wednesday this week because I'm leaving for the expo very shortly after that, uh, and we will. See you all then. I'm trying to find my crap here. Uh, so yeah, see you all later. Peace.